Welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast where we explore simple living and high thinking. Each week, we join Vivek Gupta as he offers insights on bringing the divine into the daily. Vivekji has experienced much of what the world has to offer, whether it is attending an elite business school or traveling to almost 50 countries. However, tired with the inconsistent and incomplete peace associated with these pursuits, he decided to turn his journey within. Over the last decade, Vivekji has shared his observations on the signs of independent joy with communities across North America and beyond. In this week's episode, we explore three types of joy, the layers within all of us, and the relationship between the spirit and thoughts. Let's tune in. company's slogan, and all of you are near your laptops, your computers, so you can type this in. What company's slogan is, more saving, more doing? (laughs) Okay, yes. That is Home Depot's slogan, more saving, more doing. Now, if we rewind to the Bhagavad Gita course, does it sound familiar? (laughs) Right now you're thinking, how are you going to connect (laughs) the Home Depot slogan to the Bhagavad Gita course? We called saving or investing as tapa. And doing would be like sharing or Dana. Yes. Throughout Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan Krishna says, Yajna tapa dana. Yajna is those with vision. What do they do? Tapa. They invest in themselves. And the more you invest in yourself, the more dana you can engage in, which is to share. And the way that we've explored this in meditation and life is the need for yama and niyama. Yama is the don'ts in life. Yamas are the stops. And niyama is the do's or the starts. When there's things that we stop in our lives and there's things that we start in our lives, we create sukham. Sukham can sometimes be translated as pleasure or happiness. But technically, Sukham simply means good space. Su means go, good. Kam means space. We have to create space in our lives for us to figure out why we're here. For us to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. But if no one's engaged in saving, if no one's engaged in tapa, if no one's engaged in what they should be doing, 
then there's only adharma, there's selfishness. And I came across a unfortunate figure, which I'll share with all of you. In Canada, 10% of our workforce is directed towards charities, registered charities, and almost 10% of our GDP, our wealth creation, is from charities also, okay? Though, in 2006, 24.6% of the population gave to support these charities. Whereas in 2015, 10 years later, only 20.4% gave to support these charities. Within 10 years, 5% of the population um, was no longer given. And if this trend continues, another 10 years from now, maybe it'll be 10%. So our scriptures are sharing, we should invest more in ourselves so we can give more. If people are giving less, the inference is that they're investing less in themselves also. But there are those rare personalities who do invest in themselves fully. Their focus is on the subject and not the object. And in Avaduta Upanishad, the word Avadutas um, describe fully. The A, the A in Avaduta stands for Akshara, the one who is invincible. The VA, that is for Varenya. Varenya means the most brilliant, the most illustrious. When we chant Gayatri Mantra, we call the sun. And the point that I want to share most about this name is the D-H-U-T. That's Dhuta, Dhuta Samsara Bandana, the one who has let go of the one who's been freed from any sort of conditioning, any sort of limitation. And finally, that, that was D-H-U. Finally, the last T-A is Tat. That means they are the subject. That means they've completed the purpose of their living. So Avaduta means... Invincible, illustrious, free, and complete. Those who invest fully in the subject, these words describe them. They are happy once and for all. This is where our study has taken us up to. We've completed the basic unit of life. And now we start a new chapter entitled Spirit Enveloped in Matter. 
the spirit has been defined as the subject. It's enveloped in matter, which is the object. We have explored that living, the basic unit of living is experience. Right now we're having an experience. Right now there's a windstorm outside. That's an experience. Vyasa is sleeping. That's an experience. It's a very calming experience. <laughs> a very restful experience for all parties involved. And in an experience, there's an object, there's a relationship, and there's a subject. And now we're becoming more clear that we have to live our lives focused on the subject. How are we supposed to do that? We're so oriented towards objects, so what do we do? It is our good fortune, it is our bhagya that we are exposed to Vedanta. Veda means knowledge. Veda means to know. Knowledge helps you to know, yes? And anda means inside, like under. So in an experience, there's the object, the relationship, the subject. It is through Vedanta or any philosophy, science that studies what's inside. That one's life becomes reoriented from the objects to the subject. Now, as we go through this science, it's sometimes hard for us to grasp what, what does it mean to study that which is inside? What is there that is inside? Today, when I was at Chinmayadhara, at our ashram, I was cleaning because we have our Deepavali celebration on Friday. And the heat is not on when the classes are not on. So I had my socks on, my pants on, my jacket on, my sweater on, my shirt on, and, you know, these layers of clothes. And then when I came back home, I took my socks off, my jacket off, my sweater off. When I was bathing Vyasa, then I only had a t-shirt on because he makes everything wet. So you see, I was able to remove those layers from being at the ashram to being in the bathroom with Vyasa. I was able to remove those layers. So there is an inside to me. And in the reading, at one point, Gurudev says, if you can visualize yourself to be naked, what is inside of you? Because these layers, my clothing leads me to my skin, let's say. Then what's the inside from there? And Acharya Shankara shares in Nirvana Shataka that there's seven dhatus, there's seven layers to us. Starting from the outside, there's the skin. Inside the skin, there's flesh. Inside flesh, there's fat. Inside fat, there's muscle. Inside muscle, there's blood. Inside of that, there's bone. Inside of that, there's marrow. These are the seven dhatus. So we remove all of those layers. So from clothing, then we reach our skin, then we go deeper to the bone marrow. And there's more to remove. There's thoughts, there's mind, there's intellect. 
And we have to keep on removing any conditioning until we reach, until we realize that which is irremovable. When one cannot remove anymore, when one cannot negate anymore, that's when we shift from the matter to the spirit, from the objects to the subject, that's when we become free. That which is irremovable is called Atman. Atman in English is that which is closest. And that's not a really accurate definition because closeness is still oriented towards, you know, a separation. I'm close to this friend, but not close to that friend. I'm close to this chair, but not that chair. Atman is closest only in reference to what you're not. You are the spirit. And another word for Atman is Ananda or joy. To say one is happy is good, but it's not, it's not accurate. You are not happy, you are happiness. So what is closest to us, what is us, is Ananda. Now how do we reach this? There's a, a lovely explanation of how you go from, say, dependent joy to independent joy through Avaduta Upanishad. The first is called Priya. Some of you have the name Priya. Priya is the joy that is experienced when you have the sadhana chatushtaya or when you have virtues or disciplined, you are insightful, you're passionate about self-development. One shifts from being extrovert, you start to experience a, a relatively independent joy. That's called Priya. Deeper than that is called Moda. And Moda is experienced when one engages in Manana or reflection. You've all, <clears throat> you've all had those experiences where you're reflecting on a scripture you've read, a quote you've read, and as you're reflecting on it, you shine because you finally understood it. You finally figured out how to practice this. And you become more introvert. You become closer to Ananda. So Priya is almost like Shravana or introspection. Then Moda is reflection or Manana. The Nap naturally next closest to ananda is pramoda and pramoda is when one is engaged in contemplation or nididhyasana where it's no longer trying to logicize that i am happiness but you start to feel your happiness without thoughts it's more experiential and pramoda, or contemplation, when this becomes effortless, that's when you've reached the irremovable. That's when you've reached ananda, which is independent joy. 
So sharing again what this chapter is guiding us to. We now know that our lives should be oriented towards focusing on the subject. Focusing on the objects is not working for us. How do I do that? Vedanta. I have to have knowledge of what's inside. What does this inside mean? Well, I go from outside to inside in a house. I go from layers of clothing to less layers of clothing. That's more insight. Even in this physical structure, you go inside more and more and more till you get to your bone marrow. And there's more. And if you keep on going, Atman, where you cannot go anymore, and you shift from becoming to being. So this is Atman. This removal, again referencing our Upanishads, is called Tyaga. Removal is tyaga, another word is renunciation. And in many Upanishads, including Avaduta Upanishad, there's a famous mantra, Nakarmanana prajayadhanena tyage naike amritatvamanashuhu, which sometimes people take literally, most of the time people take literally, that you have to remove karma which essentially means actions, praja, family, dhana, your achievements. If we were to remove all of that, if we just focus on removing our family, okay? So go, do it. <laughs> Walk around and remove your family from where you are. Number one, you physically wouldn't be able to do it. Number two, legally, you wouldn't be able to do it. Number three, morally, you wouldn't be able to do it. And number four, most definitely, mentally, you wouldn't be able to do it. The removal, the tyaga is not of the actual object or articles, beings, and circumstances. It is the dependency on those A's, B's, and C's for happiness. You should depend on articles, beings, and circumstances to function. Right now, as I was mentioning, there's a, a windstorm outside. And so if by any chance the um, internet goes out, then um, we can't continue class. And so I do depend on Wi-Fi for us to have this class. That's very functional. But if I depend on Wi-Fi for happiness, that's what's happening and that's not working. It's not working for my freedom. It's hard, isn't it? Very easy to get lost in those functional dependencies becoming fundamental. Should I make that your, your raw to go without Wi-Fi for a week? <laughs> to, go, <laughs> to go without Wi-Fi, leave alone seven days, seven hours to go <laughs> without Wi-Fi. <laughs> I hope you're feeling this because it's so practical. It's so profound. We have to remove the dependency for unhappiness from the A's, B's, and C's. If you depend on an article for anything but happiness, okay, fine. But once you start depending on that for happiness, when happiness is not there, 
Happiness comes through shravana, manana, nididhyasana. Comes from you. You are happiness. Now I feel in this moment we all get it. We're smiling, we're nodding, we're taking notes. We get it. But once we leave this controlled environment, we forget it. We go back to depending in a fundamental way on stuff, which is why Swami Chinmayananda has shared, we need a rishi to hold our hand. We need a rishi to guide us in this removal process. I often think about in our Bhagavad Gita course, there was many statements where Bhagavan Krishna said to Prince Arjuna, they are in me, I am not in them. Do you remember those teachings? They are in me, I am not in them. And you're reflecting on this, and it's dense. And occasionally you're able to lift off some armor, and you feel that message, but then that armor falls down again, like the hood of a car, it's so heavy, and then I don't know what to do with it anymore. So when we learn this, Swami Tejumayananda, he changed the words to say, they depend on me, I do not depend on them. See how that word depend all of a sudden totally disarms that message. That thoughts depend on the spirit. The spirit does not depend on the thoughts. Objects depend on the subject. The subject does not depend on the object. Here is where the need for a rishi is so important. Otherwise, it's not practical for us. We don't know what to do with these teachings. In this chapter, we are introduced to the three sharidas, the five koshas. The sharidas are the bodies. We have a gross body, um, a subtle body, and a causal body. It's just introduced here. But this is defined in more detail in the form of the pancha koshas, the five sheaths. How many of you have never, ever, ever heard of the three bodies or the five sheaths by show of hands? Okay. Most of us are oriented towards that. Okay. Tell me in Sanskrit or in English, what the five sheets are. Start typing. What are the five sheets? Okay, right on. Okay, got it, got it, got it. There's a lot of people in the class. <laughs> that chat room will just keep on going and going and going. <laughs> there are five sheets and how this chapter orients us to the five sheets as we begin with the sheath that we love the most. What sheath do we love the most? The food sheath, no? Think about how many hours of your day goes into thinking about what to eat, then eating, then comparing what you ate to 
<laughs> what someone else is eating or <laughs> anything like that. The Fuji. Why is the body, the gross body, why is the first sheath called Anamaya? The word Maya is not the same as Maya. Okay? Maya here means pervaded by or filled with, like Chin Maya. The word Chin Maya means filled with awareness. So, Anna. Our parents, they ate food, and part of their food came together in the form of sperm and egg, and that food literally created us, specifically the shell, which is this food sheath. Yes? It is food that was developed in such a way that came together to make us. So I visualize that like food being Lord Brahma, the creator, the generator. And now from the time that we're born, we literally feed with our mother. Literally from you breathe, then you feed. Until the time we die, if we happen to die in a hospital, there'll be food that's being put into our system somehow. Food sustains us. Like Bhagavan Vishnu. I visualize this as Lord Vishnu. And when we can no longer be sustained by food, what happens to us? We become food, isn't it? Every one of us will go back into the earth in various forms and the earth will feed on us and we will become food for parents, to assimilate, to create, to sustain, and then to destroy. I visualize Bhagavan Shiva's when we can't consume food anymore. Now, as you hear me describe this, this food sheet, is that who you are? Remember how we began? We're focusing on the subject. We need Vedanta. What's inside of me? Are you the Fuji? And we're saying no, but think about how much we invest in this body. Think about how much we care about how we look. Don't say you're not the food sheet if hours go into this body, if dollars go into this body. That's a lie. And there's so many expressions of that. The fact that we're always looking in the mirror. Why? If that's not you, why do you do it? When you look at photographs on Facebook or someone else has given you their phone, you look at the people you know, isn't it? Even better as you look for yourself, right? Someone else's wedding pictures, you look for yourself. <laughs> you don't look at random photographs, I hope. If you do, that's, that's creepy. <laughs> Stop doing it. <laughs> If you're not that, why is it so important? As we get older, why do we have so much fear that we're getting older, that we have to go to the physician? And I can just go on and on about the way that we live that is totally directed towards the food sheath 
when we know that, at least intellectually, this is not who we are. See, that's why this course is so important, is we don't need more heavy-duty theory. We have lots of heavy-duty theory. Is it, has it gone deep enough in us? As I'm sharing this, what should be going on in our brains, in our minds, is what do I do to invest less in this food sheath? The clothes that I wear, my public image, depending on food for taste, all of that is food sheath. And if you're stuck there, you can't go even to the next sheath, which is a breath, and there's so much more. Literally going from the outer sheath to the um, inner sheath is exponentially more difficult. Not linear. It's not 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%. 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, You just keep going like that. You are not the food chief. Depend on the body for functionality. Do not depend on the body for happiness. It's not even Priya. Leave alone Moda, Pramoda, Ananda. If you enjoyed what you heard or you want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at medium.com slash Vichara Gurugula. For those on the journey of self-development, Vichara Gurugula is a community forum that provides an opportunity to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.